Love you, Marco. Uh, more impressions, please. <laughs> I like your stuff. It's much more spicy and interesting. Where the hell did that come from? Oh, I love you, Marco. Oh, my God. You're a great interviewer, great conversationalist. I just never forgot you. <laughs> Babble Bullshit and Beyond is a new podcast hosted by me, Marco Kiris, conversing about my cage wage whirlwind ways and my perspective of the film biz during those days. A fun, fluff-filled funk with guests relating to all things film biz. Today on the show, we have Marty Valensky, a Hollywood stunt performer and a precision driving coordinator. Marty and I met during my time as a stand-in for Nick Cage, and since then I've left the business, but Marty has continued and excelled even at the ripe age of 65. We're calling him up from his L.A. home. So, Marty, thank you for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it. From uh, where are you in the valley? In Reseda? I'm in Reseda. In Reseda. Yes. Which is uh, adjacent to what? To Canoga Park? Canoga Park, Woodland Hills, Tarzana. That hood. That hood. Yes, that's my hood. The center of 818. Exactly. Mid Valley. (laughs) Mid Valley. Where it's about 100 degrees uh, in the shade. Yes. By the cactus tree. (laughs) No, I got palm trees. Oh, okay. Okay. It's all (laughs) desert to me when I'm out there. So, Marty, you, let me ask you a question here. You are a precision driver. Yes. And uh, you were a stunt guy and sometimes still do stunts. And you were a stand-in and also did background work, all this in the film business. But you focused later on in life to be a precision driver and then a precision driver coordinator. Yes. Let me ask you just to go back. This is a very bizarre occupation. Probably nobody's heard of this stuff. Or, you know, I've only heard of it through you. And I worked with you. Um and we did what? We did The Rock. We did Gone in 60 the Rock Seconds. And Gone in 60 Seconds. Was that it? It just felt like you must have and day played no, a couple places. No, there was places. one more with uh, John Travolta. Oh, with Face Off. Face Off. Face yes. Off. Yeah, yeah. Were you doing driving on that? Yes. You were. No, I was doing driving on that. Okay. That was complicated. So before yes. we get into that, <laughs> that was a real complicated film. I, I mean, hats off to you for doing that. And hats off for me for working five straight months, days and nights and nights and days and days and nights and nights and days. I was wasting. But <laughs> How did you get into this, Marty? This is a bizarre occupation to choose. I'm going to say that you, you stumbled upon it and you are from Rochester, New York. Yes. And then I went to school in Miami, Miami-Dade. Mm-hmm. And through that, I was working, I you know, studying radio, TV, and films. So I got to work as a production assistant on some films, local TV shows, and things like that. Then uh, I started working with these football buddies, you know, that are at most of the games, are gigantic helmets, like on an extended golf cart. Okay. So we did uh, the Super Bowl. I think it was Super Bowl Four. This is in Miami? This is in Miami. And we did, we worked with Halftime Show in the teams. Mm-hmm. So I got a little taste there. The following year, we went to uh, New Orleans and we had the Miami buggy and the Dallas one. Uh-huh. So again, again, I did a little more. Then we came out, this is when I came out here, we did the following Super Bowl, Miami and Washington. We brought in all 26 football buggies. And we did a... Uh, took a long time to get this down with the marching band. This is before they had big extravaganza. 
halftimes. This is when it was just a football game. Yes, or just, you know, the Super Bowl wasn't like it was now. But we did a halftime show. We rehearsed it at uh, the Rose Bowl. We had the marching band, Mm -hmm. 26 football buggies going in and out of the marching band, crossing the field, AFC, NFC, had to go in between each other. And since the company, all the business people were doing all the business end, I was out there working three, four days straight without sleep. And I coordinated all of that. Got the drivers from USC, had to train them how to drive. My brothers helped me, a few friends helped me. And from there, I got to meet, you know, I was doing extra work too. Hmm. And I got to meet Gary Nelson, the director. He was doing uh, Joe Forrester. Hmm. And uh, just one day on the set, I didn't know who he was. I was doing extra work. He was asking people if he had any, the following year, any football tickets for the Rams in Green Bay. And I just went up to him. I said, I work on the field with these football helmets. And I said, I have two extra passes, but you got to work for me. And he asked all about it. And then he said, can my wife help? And I said, yeah, that could be the two. And her name was Judy Nelson. She used to be an actress. And so we went to the game. We had the football buggies on a trailer. All I needed was somebody to hit the trailer lap so I could drive off. Then we drove on the field, and they were astounded by going up and back on the field. And, you know, we had a good time, got to know each other. On the drive home, he says, I'm starting this movie called uh, Freaky Friday with Jodie Foster. Would you like to work on that? Because during the drive, I told him I'm getting into stunts, acting, extra work. So he said, would you like to work on that as my assistant? And also, if you want to stand in and do extra work and some stunt work. So uh, I did everything. Hmm. I got to learn on that. I had the cinematographer was Charles Wheeler, and he did like uh, Nuremberg Trials, Hmm. Judgment at Nuremberg, Torah, Torah, Torah. So I got to learn the aspects of camera and mark, you know, you know, from standing in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you learn an awful lot. So you did PA work, you did standing work, you did extra work on this film. Yes. Assistant directing work. I did anything they asked. Wow. What an education. Yes. So then from there, we did uh, the black hole after. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I worked with Maximilian Schell, wow. Yvette Mem- Memu, Joseph Bottoms, Joe Forrester, Ernest Borgnine. Jesus. So you get, you know, I didn't know, you know, the extent of their popularity or famousness, whatever. And uh, I got to learn from them. I got to talk to them every day, you know, and just listen to the stories. And it was incredible. And then from there, you know, going on to a show called Washing the Behind Closed Doors. Was this all with the same director? Same. I became his assistant and I did everything. You're kidding. No, his name, Gary Nelson. Hmm. And we we did. We went to New York and did uh, a few films. And like on Washing the Behind Closed Doors, I got to sit with Robert Vaughn, Jason Robart, Cliff Robertson, Bill uh, Barry Nelson, you know, John Randolph, John Hausman, Thera David. They were all in the same room. The stories they were telling from their drunk days, and they had you laughing hysterically. <laughs> and then on that movie with Jason Robards, he played the President Mockden, which was Richard Nixon. Mm-hmm. The first or second day of shooting, one of the actors was late, who's going to be a Secret Service guy. And I just, Gary said, Marty, go get dressed. You're going to do it. You got to say, uh, good morning, Mr. Mockden, when he walks in the door. So I did it. Everything's fine. Then he came up to me, he said, you're going to be... All 14 episodes you're going to be in with the president, who wow. was Jason Robots. 
Wow. So just like that. And you get your SAG card and that is no, I had my SAG card. Oh, you did. But I'm just saying it was just incredible. But the only thing I didn't like, you know, when we're at Camp David and doing all I'm reporting behind it, when we had the screening, you know, and I bring some friends there and my voice was dumb. They didn't like my voice. So they had some heavy voice do mine. I go, wow. That was the first big disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> was it the accent, Marty? Or was it the attitude? <laughs> I don't know. It was the accent and not a heavy, strong voice to be a Secret Service guy. But you still got compensated and you were still on screen. Oh, yeah. I was through the whole thing. And this was in the 70s. Yes, I think 70, 75, four or five. Wow. That's right. And you were based already in L.A. at this time, but you're traveling yeah, around the country time, yes. with this with uh, director Nelson. Every time we went out. Yeah, we went out of town, New York, Washington, D.C. Uh, you know, we went quite a few places. What a fluke to be working with this director just like that from playing around with this football thing. All of a sudden you're in the film business and doing everything and learning. It's like going to film school and getting paid for it and get to travel with it. And, you know, like I said, from some of those actors I worked with and stood in for. And then again, the cinematographers. You know, so it's just, you know, you learn things from every one of them. There's a lot to learn. I learned a lot from the cinematographers as well, uh, working with Nick Cage. You know, it was the it's so technical. The whole business is extremely technical. And, and, you know, I didn't really grasp that stuff, but I understood what was a hot light, what was not a hot light, what what made you shine, what made you not shine. I was kind of on the fluffy side, but I think you were a little more in the know and understanding the lighting more than I did. I was just, you know, I only worked for one guy. And yes. you were you were kind of like the man who did everything. But I got requested a lot from these cinematographers on f- other films because uh-huh. I could stand there and let them know what the light is, what the screen's hitting, you know, all you know, all the different shading yeah. of the raw light. Yeah, you are always very vocal, even when I met you. Like you're you're not yeah. <laughs> fearful because you know what you're talking about. So you are actually the premium stand-in that I never really was. I was just a diva stand-in because I was working for a hotshot diva actor, and I just you know I was on his parade. But you did the actual groundwork and understood it better than I did. And from being the director's assistant, you know, I got yeah. to learn it from that end. And then you work with different actors and stunt coordinators and. That's when I started more doing uh, some of the stunt work, not the heavy stunts. You got the A-list stunt guys, and I was maybe the B-list. Yeah, but you kept and, working and, on it. I, I went directly yes. to the A-list actor and you just continue with the same one. You worked your way up. I just saw it when different opportunities came. I took it, you know, and in the meantime, I had four kids, so I backed off of going out of town a lot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's when I stopped going with Gary Nelson. Because I had four kids home, and I had a wonderful wife who understood the business. Yeah, and she, you know, she didn't complain when I was gone for two, three months at a time. Most people divorce um, in the business, no matter what the occupation is within the film business. You yes. decided not to travel to make to make your family a priority, and yet continue to work in Los Angeles. And no matter what you did, even if you weren't making the big bucks. Yes, I gave up a lot. Yeah, yeah, but it's worth it in the end. It was well worth it now, you know. 
And you didn't realize it at that time when you're going through it. Mm-hmm. That's what I keep telling my tech kids. You never realize what's happening. You just kind of go through the motions and you hope yes. you're doing the right thing and you're hoping you're not making the wrong decisions because it could lead to either disaster or termination. But you just follow your instincts and just yes. keep moving with it. And you did it because then you got to raise four kids, not be divorced, and still 41 years later, be with your wife. Today, 41 years today. (laughs) Good for you. I haven't been with anybody for 41 hours. So congratulations to 41 years. So Marty, you started, so you didn't want to be an actor. You wanted to continue working in town potentially as a stand-in and then into stunts. And then you got into driving. Everything fell into different things. Like when I was on different shows in New York and with, again, with Gary chase scenes, you know, we were doing second, I'd go over there and work with, you know, the extras and different stunt guys. Cause I had all the notes. It wasn't like today where it's all on computer. Mm-hmm. So I had, to, I had the notes from the director and I'd work with the second unit and first unit stunt coordinators. And I ended up placing people and background people. So this, <laughs> You know, you can do the chase. And then later on, I ran, you know, on chips, I ran into Bill Young, who started the Bill Young driving team. Mm-hmm. And so from again, from him, I learned to further coordinate with background and precision driving. Were you TV features? Of- well, how are you with driving? I mean, you obviously you had to be a precision driver as well. Yes. I, you know, I've gone through a few driving schools. I can handle a car pretty good. Okay. Did you have any accidents on any sets while you were? I never had an accident. A little sometimes fender benders or when you're supposed to, yeah. you know, touch the back end and, you know, like a chase scene. But nothing major. And where did this go with the Bill Young driving school? Or No, he just he just started a company and we went with our drivers, train drivers, from show to show at that time in the early 80s after Chips. And in the same time, I was working with Gary Nelson. I'd go off on my own, and I'd always come back. Or I'd bring in a show from people I knew to Bill, and we went out of town and did a lot of shows, too. Wow. A long, extensive resume. How are you credited on that, Marty? Do you, do you get credits, or are you under— No, I've gotten credits on film for myself and different things. There's one film— that I've on, I've got three different credits because I did three different things, and they gave me all the credits. You, you know, precision three driving credits? coordinator. What? Yes, on Chill Factor. Really? <laughs> yes, because I was the precision driving coordinator. Uh, when we went to South Carolina, they fired one of the casting directors and background casting. They asked me if I wanted to take it over because the driving was finished, and I said I didn't know what I was. I said okay, I'll do it to stay on. A pay cut, but, you know, I was enjoying the locations. And then one day, you know, one of the actors got in an accident driving the work. He was called the big sergeant. So with the director and the first assistant, I said, you know, I could play the big sergeant. I said, why does he have to be 6'5"? You know, just in the script, it says, big sergeant. They said, go right to wardrobe and get your hair cut and makeup. And then I'm out, you know, under a helicopter getting the people off and one of the actors and reporting that what just happened in the control room. Yeah. And they cut print. I'm back to work. I'm leaving for Charleston to hire people for another single moving that there. <laughs> so that was the three credits I got. That's great. I've never had three credits. I'm lucky that I get one credit, though I push it in my contract. Yes. That's a lot of work, Marty. 
And, you know, also, like on that film, you know, I'm casting people. You know, I went to Clemson, you know, their drama department. And I went in there and introduced myself. I said, this is what I'm looking for for a scene. Does anyone want to do background work? And they're going to interview for some principal work. So, you know, I had 40, 50 people showed up and they take them to the director and producers. And then they did their thing and picked the people. Hmm. And, you know, then they said we need for a military courtroom, we have to dress people for military. And, you know, I went to the National Guard and I got real military people hmm. that can go on choppers. And I got a lawyer, a military lawyer, a hmm. general that was a judge. So they go, where are you finding these people? That's what we needed. Yeah. And it was just, I don't know, I just do it. You, but you always that. Even when I first met you, you're just, you walk on the set, you know what you need, just like those guys, you want the military people. It's not a big deal. They did that uh, in Wind Talkers. They brought in real military people. When I was in Hawaii, you were in Hawaii doing, what What were you doing? I was doing Jurassic 3. Oh, Jurassic 3. Now they're up to what, Jurassic 5, 6, 10 or something? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and we bumped into each other in Hawaii, in Honolulu. Yeah, at, at the Helikai Hotel. Yeah, I can, can never remember that uh, that the name of it. I always <laughs> call it the Hawaii Five O Hotel. That was the original hotel yes. <laughs> from the 1960s, the Jack Lord Hotel. <laughs> I remember when we saw you came off the elevator. I go, what? The, what are you doing here? <laughs> What are you working on? You know, I was on really fucking fun. Cage Wage I, World. You were doing Jurassic I World. I was doing Cage Wage World. What but do you want? It was just like, you were kind of shocked. What are you doing <laughs> in Hawaii? They took you here? And I go, yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Because I didn't understand really what you were doing, and I didn't understand that you were actually a, a precision driving a driving coordinator at that time. Yeah. And you were on The Rock and on Gone in 60 Seconds. And that was prior yes. to uh, me being on Wind Talkers. And remember on The Rock, when we did all the water stuff, mm -hmm. that's one of the reasons I was there too, because of my scuba diving and oh. the distance swimming I did. And remember, I was doing it for Sean Connery. I was yeah. doing it for how he had to do it and testing the water. Yeah, that water was... was <laughs> and you were smoke. complaining about uh, going in. Of course I complained about it. I was wearing waders. I always complain. <laughs> I have to be in the water. I want to bump. I don't want to be in there. It was hot. It was 800 degrees in there. It kept blowing smoke up my ass. I needed to go to the bathroom. I had diarrhea. How do you get the fucking wetsuit off? Of course I'm going to complain. I didn't have any frappy happy cappies, you know? And, and you weren't even under the contract yet. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I didn't have a contract yet. That happened on Face Off. Can you imagine what a diva? I would have fired my ass. <laughs> I know. How I got on that, I have no idea. It's funny. I, I love that you remember that. I was still on a shitty fucking stand-in voucher, and I was complaining as if I owned the set. What a diva. See, this is, you can see this. Can you, this is doubling Sam Neill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually a good shot. I was doing the running for him. I like that. Yes, and the water stuff, diving off the cliff. Wow. I can't believe you did all that. And when I did get on contract and I had to go in the water in Malibu for City of Angels, I complained. So I wouldn't go in. Yeah. <laughs> and because it was on contract, they allowed me not to go in the water. They said, you're not going to go swimming. I said, I don't dip and I don't sip. I said, no, 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 senor. And I just stood yes. on the beach with my cape and just flapped my wings and took in the yes. paychecks. I'm like, I'm not doing that. Get Eddie Yancic. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Let Mr. Aguaman, let him go in there. He's standing around there in a fucking cape. Let him go in there yes. eating nachos. You were the guy who actually did all of it, the grunt work. I never said no. Whatever they asked. 
You know, it was funny. After Jurassic Park, all the beauty locations, all of that stuff, we get back to L.A., I'm doing a TV show, and they have me laying downtown alley mm-hmm. in my shot. And, you know, it's piss alley, rat alley. And I yeah. go, wow, two days ago I was in Hawaii. I mean, that's how this business is. <laughs> it is. It's crazy. I hated downtown L.A. because we had done so many films, including oh, Con Air I, and Gone in 60 Seconds. Oh, Con Air. I worked with you on that. But in the L.A., I, you weren't in Utah with me. No, I was in Las Vegas with you. Oh, you were in Vegas when we were blowing up that plane? Yeah, we were. The plane was driving into our cars, remember? We yeah. had the whole setup and the yeah, plane's yeah, coming yeah, into yeah. Las Vegas. And that was our cars flipping out and all that stuff. I never knew. I was yes, just in my it, own it, world. I had no fun. I was fucking holding the bunny. Put the bunny back in the box. <laughs> all I thought about was that stupid fucking bunny. I didn't even realize. But I did see all the cars. It was a Sands Hotel, right? Yes. That they blew up after that for real. They imploded. Yes. It was the end of an era. That's fu- yes. I didn't realize you were in that too. God, we I bumped into you in so many things. Yes. And especially the big days on end scene that you guys did a phenomenal job on in Gone in 60 Seconds on the uh, on the bridge in San Pedro. The bridge. Yeah. yeah. St. Thomas Vincent. I keep saying the same San Pedro. But is it it's in San Pedro, isn't it? It's in San Pedro connecting Long Beach. Yeah. That was a what, a three day setup? Yes. For that uh, that jumping over. Jumping over the cars. Phenomenal. And we were just, we was, you know, we got into that position in the shot. Then mm-hmm. we stopped. They set up the jump. And they had a lot of us get out of the cars because they weren't going to see the people in. Then they put some dummies in just in case the stunt didn't work and came into the cars. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that. And there were, what, 50, 70 cars in total? Maybe? Yeah. Well, we had about... 50 of our drivers that we got. I don't know how many background they had. Wow, that's big money. That's why these budgets yeah. are big. I mean, you guys on the clock, 50 of you guys, and the cars, and the bumps, yes. and the lumps. <laughs> like and having a, fun just socializing and just hanging out. Yeah, until we did the shot. So yes. it was like a three-day setup. The rest of the time was just walking around and talking and drinking just, coffee. Yeah, that, that's what it was for the last day and a half. That was insane. That's a huge yeah. setup. I mean, it's a memorable car jumping scene to this day, 20 years later. Good for you on that. Marty, what about The Source's Apprentice? Uh, I wasn't on that. Of course, that was after my cage wage world. Yes. You did the yeah, drive recording. It was, it, was, it was brutal. And in, you were in New York. In nights. Those... About six weeks and nights. Wow. Most of it downtown? All around Times Square. Oh, in Times Square. Most of it, then we went, you know, we had a scene in Harlem, then we had a scene on 23rd Street. Hmm. How you was know, it all coordinating? With taxi and stuff. What was it like coordinating well, in there, Times Square? And how many drivers were there? And then what about extras? You used locals, obviously. Okay. Yes, we, uh, I was there with uh, Sean Tracy. He was the co coordinator, or I was the co coordinator to him. And we had people there that we have used on different films. Mm-hmm. on previous films in New York. So they had some training. They knew what our thing was with radios, reversing, how to get back to one. And then we trained some extras. We went out to, with a bunch of extras, see who can drive, see who can back up, see who can hold the line driving at a certain speed. Mm-hmm. And uh, we eliminated people right away. 
and like I said, we were at the Meadowlands wow. in their big parking lot setting this up. Jesus. And so we refined it. I see. And then, of course, you're going to have people not work out. Yeah. And you you just turn the scene. Okay, go to the back. You know, put them in a place you're not going to need them driving. Mm-hmm. And you know, some people yell and scream. I just go on. I you know, I try to be nice to everybody. I just tell them, all right, you fucked up. Go to one. Yeah. You know, you're gonna fuck up. You're gonna fuck up again. It's okay. Now, Marty, just don't for, apologize for people who, yeah, well, just don't do it again and don't apologize. You either do it or you don't. People don't know what that means. Going back to one, you mean back to the initial starting position? The original, yeah. Once they cut, we're in a right. different two, three blocks. We have to come around the blocks and go to your original starting part because we're going to shoot the scene over again. And what is that process like? I mean, I kind of know, but for other audience members, that could take. Half an hour, it could take three hours, depending on the light and the can weather. Take, in moment. New York City, it can take an hour, hour and a half. So to stop that from happening, I had like two or three groups of people. Hmm. Well, not just me, Sean and yeah. I had. So we'd have 10 cars on one block, 10 cars on another block, 10 cars ready to pull in. So when they said cut, we said second group, pull into those spots. The first oh. group was in. And the first group would start going around the block. When the second group won on take two, and they cut, it was the same thing. Third group, pull in. Because there wasn't anything really matching. Oh, okay. So well, this way, great. it saved a lot of time. Oh, yeah. that's that's That, to me, is time well spent. That's yeah, right. You just had to get the stunt guys back, and they could back up and, yeah, you know, seconds. hold traffic. But you can't hold traffic for 100 people to back up. Yeah, and you can't. Can you legally block those streets in uh, Times Square, or do you have a no, a short amount was, of time for permit or no uh, permit? No. At uh, two in the morning, we can shut it completely down. Oh, okay. So sometimes, you know, we rehearsed a lot with uh, ITC. You know, they cut the traffic off. We do our scene, and then they let the traffic flow. I see. What's ITC? Intermediate oh. traffic control. Oh, okay. Oh, that makes sense. Wow. So I didn't know. So you can't. So when you were down then on Twenty Third Street, uh, yes. that must have been a nightmare. It was. They all were nightmare. Times Square was a because you know you got a place of three blocks. People, uh, pedestrians are going to walk through and cut through traffic. Mm-hmm. So you have to make sure everybody knows what they're doing. We had people jumping in movie cabs. Wow. You know, they just run, hail a cab and jump in. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that happened to me a few times. So I said, you know, we're doing a stop. We're a motion picture thing. Stay in the car right now. You can't leave. We're about to go. <laughs> Be a passenger. Nothing heavy is going to happen. There must have been like 100 PAs around Times Square. just kind of shooting people and, away and stopping them. And, and a lot let of alone PAs. the violence and some people who want to get yeah. in the shot and rip the shot apart and mock the shot and, and scream obscenities. There's a lot of people that when you got to hold them up on tra- foot traffic, they start screaming, this is New York, this is a public stop, let him go. Yeah. Some PAs were trying to fight these people, and they did, you know, you can't touch them. You can only do so much. Yeah, it's not the government, it's a movie. 
Yes, it's a movie. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I remember going through a lot of that stuff when we were doing National Treasure down by the by the Holy Trinity Church, I believe yes. it was. Um, and that was a nightmare. Just yes. with, with all the backgrounds. You couldn't tell who was background, who was a real person, moving people around, trying to coordinate all those people in cars. It was crazy. Bill Young did that show. Oh, he did? Yeah, I was in town doing another show, Mighty Joe Young. So Bill, Bill Young had, uh, I think, about eight drivers. There. Hmm. It seemed like so much more. Yes. Well, a lot of them were locals again. Yeah, oh, that's why. And Washington was a tough one to shoot yes, all see. over D.C. Oh, it was crazy. At nighttime, we were doing those stunts yes. with the with the truck, and Eddie Yancey was flying off the thing. Then you had Nick for the close-ups. You know, they were going insane. I barely did anything because they were stunned, so I got to, like, watch in a tuxedo. But yes. there were so many stunt and precision drivers. So you became a full-time precision coordinator. Mainly driver, and I do my own shows coordinate. Mainly I coordinated the out-of-town shows. In your experience, uh, Marty, did you encounter any harsh accidents in the precision driving? Uh, I've seen town? harsh accidents with stunt, stunt people. And mm. there's been a few on the precision end. I've seen where people have gotten hurt, but, you know, and taken to the hospital. What happens? Do they shut it down for the night or do they just replace the people and then move on? No, they shut it down. If they're really hurt, they may shut it down for the day. Okay. But most of the time, the person will go to the hospital and then they'll put another person in. Yeah, that's what I encountered in the past. It's all individual production companies. I mean, I was on one company, we were doing the driving, and uh, it was a Michael Manshaw, actually. Oh, wow. And that must have been a we had a guy. We had a guy that had a heart attack, massive heart attack, driving the car, actually, in front of me, and I see him flop, flopping around. I thought he was just playing around, but then it turns out the guy with him is yelling for a medic, code blue. And the per- I'm not going to mention names. The person yeah. passed away. And oh, so. uh, Michael Mann's assistant, his first was saying, can we move, when the fire department, uh-huh. can we move this off the set? Can we move this out of here? The business is ruthless. Yes, and it was Tom Cruise when he found out, came out of his trailer and says, no, we're not working. We're not working tonight. Get it out of here. That's so sad. I mean, you hear about that stuff, and some people just don't get it because there's real life outside of a film, and they think that the movie is real life. It's all about them and their vision. But yes. Reality should really take over, and and most of the time it doesn't. You know, you have to have some people come up to bat and shut it down. Yes, I mean, just, uh, you know, it was just the weirdest situation. A friend of yours passes away mm-hmm. from a heart attack that's in his 40s, mm-hmm. and they're saying, just take it off, take it off to the side. Yeah. Off the street. <laughs> it's but it's, again, that, that that's show business. It's a tough it's insensitive. Business. It is yes. insensitive. And recently you were out east in Boston or in I was in Boston for Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. I never saw that. How was that? The, it was fun. It was fun to work on. A lot of fun with you know, a lot of funny ladies. How was it in Boston? Because it's a smaller town with smaller roads. What was it like working? And how long were you in Boston again, Ghostbusters? Well, we're in Boston about, again, six weeks. I was there back and forth sometimes. Okay. And uh, yeah, Boston's fine. You know, they you can shut down some of the streets. You don't have to do ITC. So that helps. And then 
on that too. And some of the shows you have to train, teach the actors mm. when they got to run across the street, you have to teach them what cars to go in between. And we have to be on the street telling drivers when to go. So the actors can go down one lane of traffic stop. And we, you know, then the next lane, you know, they know where to run across. Yeah. So they're not going to get, now you're doing it with three actresses at different spots. Yeah. You know, at the same time running together, but you know, one group would pass and the next group was passed. So that's part of the job too. Yeah. There's a lot of coordinating, but for those scenes. And then and you got to come back and do it with first unit with the actresses. The whole time you guys are communicating, Marty, are you guys are on the radios. Are you on? Normally, we're all on Channel One, according to uh, the first AD. Production, uh, yes. On production, Channel One. But you yes. guys have your own channel while you're rehearsing. Is that right? Until you switch well, yeah. over for when they're ready to actually shoot? Yeah, we'll be at, let's say, Channel 16. Yeah. Total opposite. And when I get from the stunt coordinator or the directors, I'll, I'll go on the other radio and tell the drivers what we're going to do. And then sometimes I'll say, now switch to one and listen, or even go to the stunt channel and listen to them what he's coordinating. So there can be three channels involved. And you have to have them all going at, at the same time, pretty much. I usually just have, forth. yeah, I usually have two. Okay. And then one of the tricks I learned from Bill Young is to put red tape or white tape on different rates so you know what channel you're on without having to look. Yeah. Especially when you're running down the street. <laughs> Marty, I can't believe you did all that, starting from, from nothing, just kind of fluking into stuff. Yes. All that work, all those years, are you happy to have been in this business? Do you think it was meant for you? Um, are you comfortable with kind of telling people that, that this was the right decision for you versus doing something else in life? I got in at a perfect time, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, it was a lot of fun, you know, getting to work the, with all the people I have. I'm still doing it. You know, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy it too much. I'm one of those guys, you know, that'll take almost any job. I'll work nights. I'll work yeah. in cold weather. I'll work in rainy weather. And, you know, you know you're going to go home in 12 hours. <laughs> yeah. You have a great attitude towards that. I'm like, I'm a fucking bitch boy. I used to do it yeah. and be on the clock and have my perks and fucking bitch. And I remember, what's that, Matchstick Men? What you were I? in the trailer half the time. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> I was driving. Uh, it was hot. Uh, it was 100 degrees and it was in the valley. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Whenever they didn't need me, I just ran out. I don't. My makeup was running. I don't want to hang out there. I was done. I was yeah, trailer was, uh, bound. Where Where's Marco? Oh, he's in the tray. He's in his dressing room. <laughs> <laughs> I was powdering myself. I was I'm shining like a greasy Greek. As <laughs> was. I remember doing eight millimeter, and we were in Brooklyn doing that rain scene. And uh, Joel Schumacher had a little bug for me because he was not thrilled at that I was a bit of a diva, as we both know. I've always been a diva. I can't believe you see me on so many sets. And uh, it was always the same bitching diva. I don't know how I lasted that long. And they, they tested the rain bars because it was a cold night fighting rain scene in a uh, cemetery, uh, a backyard thing. And I had to stand there for like 40 minutes to an hour. And they did it on purpose. They just wanted me to be soaking wet in the freezing cold 
in the winter in Brooklyn so I can catch pneumonia because I was such a diva. And then they didn't need me anymore because it was a stunt thing. So they had me stand there to light everything up and just shower me down. I was so fucking pissed <laughs> off. But I think I think production was happy just to like soak me down. I'm sure they laughed at it. <laughs> oh, I'm sure they did because I. Was, I can picture it. Yeah. Plus, Joel Schumacher is a funny guy to work with. Oh, he's he's he is very funny. Yeah, he's actually quite good. You just have to be oh, a yeah. good working person and not a big diva. I learned my lesson that I shouldn't have been such, you know, a little. Di- I mean, I was bitching that I was actually on set and getting paid and not doing anything, and it was stunts. I'm like, if you're not going to use me, let me go back to my hotel room. And they looked at me like, stand under the fucking rain bars, and we're going to light up the sky and soak you down, and you're going to be cold, and you're going to love it. Boy, I shriveled up. <laughs> it was yeah, tough. I see. But see, you can I take all that. You're okay with it. I'm not. Yeah. But you, you like it. This is where you are at. I mean. That's what I mean. That's why I like it. I had so much fun doing it. And I've never, you know, like I said, I never had a real job. Yeah. Eight to five, you know. And, and again, in this business, you never knew how much money you were going to make from year to year. Yeah. You know, you'd work three months, make good money. And then you may not work for two, three months. Mm-hmm. Which so is hard because you can't plan good. your life, which is what I was Yeah, I was very good at budgeting for the downtimes. Yeah. Most people aren't, Marty, and it's it's yes. really hard, and they spend all their money, and then they're desperate, and, you know, they fail. Then they got to find another job and sell their cars, sell their houses they bought from one job. And, yeah. You know, I've seen it a lot. Yeah. I've known people that have two or three wives and kids with every one of them, and they're mm-hmm. working to pay off all of that. Yeah, that's pretty much the norm. You're not the yes. norm in this business, which is why I wanted to have you on the show, because you're not the norm. I mean, you you <laughs> went from nothing to doing some background work, to being the director's assistant, to being a stand-in, full-time stand-in, part-time, a couple of acting gigs, got your SAG cards, learned how to drive, did other stunts, precision driving, coordinating, and you kept moving and moving. And here you are 40 years later, Still working. Still working. And still in demand. Not as in demand as much. (laughs) Well, maybe because you're older, but not because you're not qualified. No, I'm not qualified. It's just because of the age. You know, everybody is in their 30s, 20s and 30s. And I remember when I was in my 20s and stuff and the older guys, you know, at least I listened to them. Yeah, now sometimes I turn around and go, uh, I'm one of those older guys talking about pensions. Yeah. With 34 years ago, I said, I don't want to hear about pensions and all of That's what I said. And now, just today, yes. I was discussing pensions. I'm thinking pensions. We're at that age. Marty, let me ask you, um, what are you uh, up to now? And are you working or are you taking time off? I am taking, I want to start work again. I had to take some time off because I broke my shoulder in a fall oh. about six months ago. And then I had uh, something with my back. And I just had surgery three weeks ago on that. Okay. So I'm ready. I'm all healed up. I'm ready to go. Wow. <laughs> what a trooper. I would retire, but good for you that you're a trooper. No, I'm, re- I'm ready to go. I put the word out to different friends. All right. Well, Marty, I uh, I wanted to thank you. To shed some light into what, what happens on a film set as a precision driver and, and coordinator and to come up those ranks and to be able to do all of it. And still be around 40 years later. Yes. It's impressive. I did it for 10 years, Marty. 10 years, and I bitched about it. You did 40 years. Think about that. 42 now. 42. (laughs) Amazing. 
Wow. Well, we both know who the pussy in this situation is. That'd be yeah. <laughs> Sam, what, what helped me too a lot is during, you know, being a director assistant and a stand-in and production, I met people that were second ADs or production people that moved up to be heads of studio, big producers that took me. When they passed me up, you know, they would say, you want to come work on my film? And, you know, that's how work kept on coming in. Always being nice to people yes. below you. Yeah, and loyalty and hard yes. work. It really matters. Yeah, That's why I've been around all those years. I've been known to go to the set on location days I had off just to help other departments because I was bored staying in a hotel. Wow. <laughs> Boy, I would be so the opposite. I'm like, I'm off. I'm on pay. I'm like, no, I'm taking off. I'll see you. I'm going to some cafes. But some of the locations, you couldn't go to cafes. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I've been. We were in some hotels on Indian Reservation that had one phone for 30 rooms. Yeah. No, you're right. In those locations, I've been to Utah and stuff in certain deserts. I'd rather be on a film set. Exactly. At least there's somebody to so, talk to versus nobody and nothing. Well, you got craft service and a caterer. Yeah. <laughs> Coffee and water and some yes. conversation. I love it. A mobile a mobile 7-Eleven. It is. <laughs> All right, Marty. So uh, we're going to call it a day. Very good. It's been a pleasure, Marco. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Thanks, Marty. Bye. That concludes today's podcast with Marty Valensky. Hope you enjoyed our stories. And until next time, this is Marco Kira signing off. 